Every year around the world, workers in various organizations experience burnout to the extent that they look to change not only where they work, but also how they work. We'll talk with a survivor of corporate burnout who's become a therapist, coach, and consultant up next on this episode of the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. From Flourish DX, this is the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. As workplace mental health has become a global priority, there's a greater focus on addressing psychosocial hazards. Each episode, we look at psychological safety from an occupational health and safety perspective. Let's talk psych health and safety. Welcome to this week's Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. I'm your host, Dr. I. David Daniels, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Each week, we seek to increase awareness of the importance of psychological health and safety by learning from the lived experiences, research, and expertise of our guests, as well as advocating strategies to reduce harm and minimize vulnerability to psychosocial hazards in the American workplace. Burnout is a state of emotional, physical, or mental exhaustion. It's caused by excessive or prolonged stress. It can occur when you're feeling overwhelmed. Burnout can be caused by work-related stress, taking on more than one could handle at work or school or interpersonally with friends and family, poor self-care, feeling underappreciated, unrecognized, unfairly treated, feeling insecure in your position, being unsure of the requirements of your job, the requirements of a relationship, or poor leadership in general. Signs of burnout include feeling exhausted, sluggish, feeling overwhelmed, uh, unable to complete simple tasks, getting angry, frustrated quickly, headaches, stomach aches, intestinal issues, fatigue, uh, frequent illness, changes in appetite or sleep. That's the focus of our conversation during this episode. And we're fortunate enough to have someone who has experienced burnout, uh, has been able to understand it and come out on the other side with an interest in helping others uh, address this challenge that we all face at some points in our life, or we tend to. So let's get right to it uh, with uh, an introduction of our guest by our guest, in this case, with a question, who is Jane Song? Hi, Dr. Daniels. It's such a pleasure for me to be here, and uh, thank you so much for having me here. I guess the question of who's Jane Song, it's so profound. You know, as as I listen to your descriptions about what burnout is, in one sentence, I would say Jane Song, it's probably a recovery (laughs) from burnout. And that journey really led me to become who I am today. So professionally, I work as a therapist and also a life coach and a consultant. So my passion is really to help people, not only from individual one-on-one basis that comes from therapy, coaching, but also consulting where I can go in front of hundreds of people to tell them my story, not because I want to share for the sake of sharing, but tell people the story. Hey, burnout, it's real. Mm-hmm. It's far more than we can anticipate. It, it can hit us 
when we're least prepared and we can do something about it. And that is who I am now. And that is my passion to um, to really pass that message on. And I, I really appreciate you giving me the platform and the opportunity to share my passion. Thank you. It's it's an absolute pleasure to be able to do so. Uh, there are when, when this podcast started, you know, year and a half or so ago, uh, there was a part of me that wondered if there was anybody else out there who even cared about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, yeah. Uh, and because and, and that often goes when you know I I, uh, I certainly consider myself to be recovering from psychosocial hazard exposure myself. It's, you know, we always are. It becomes a part of us and our reactions and responses to it show up in all kinds of different ways. And again, burnout is is one of them. You know, there are these thing going, things, things going on in our environment that just cause us to respond in certain ways. And, uh, you know, this is certainly a, uh, a topic worth having a discussion about. So b- before we get into a little bit more detail about burnout specifically, though, Another general question, and again, no textbook answer necessary, but (laughs) what does psychological health and safety mean to you? When you hear those words, what what do you think that, what does that mean to you? Psychological health and safety to me is when, especially in the work space, right? Earlier you mentioned about the different definitions of burnout. I think it's really for a person to feel safe enough that they can perform their jobs to the best of their capabilities, whether it's motion, emotionally, physically, spiritually, you know, if, if we are, if we don't feel safe physically, we can't perform. Right. right? But a lot of people undermine the fact that many people don't feel emotionally safe. I mean, I can give you examples and examples of my past fashion industry experience, right? If you have watched The Devil Wears Prada. Yes. That poor girl, I mean, she didn't feel safe emotionally. Even when she was home, 11 o'clock, 12 p.m., 12 a.m., she didn't feel safe emotionally because you never know if someone's going to call you and invade your personal privacy space, right? That. To me, it's all these elements making a person to perform at their ultimate um, possibilities or capabilities. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you've you've started to introduce it just a little bit. So let let's let's dive a little bit into since this is I generally have these conversations around work, um, and, and I, you know I, I honestly I sometimes people might wonder why I do that. Um, but because a lot of what we learn about safety starts at work. It's also where we learn uh, a little bit about trauma as well. <laughs> now, uh, trauma can come from home, but often when it's at home, we don't even recognize what it is because we don't have another frame of reference. So until we get out with other people, we don't really, you know, even good or bad, we, it's hard to make the comparison. So let's chat a little bit about, you know, your work history. So what, what, did you start off uh, wanting to be a, a a life coach and mental health counselor? Or did you start doing some other stuff? <laughs> right. Great question. Yeah. You know, I think your question is so deep. Um, when I when I examine myself coming out of burnout, I really spend a lot of time self 
examining myself and ask myself the question: What pushed Jane to the point of burnout? Right. So, and that question is different for every person. Me personally, because of a gut burnout, I came out of it. That determined me to go into the seminary. Actually, you know, if you watch、mm-hmm. the movie Eat, Pray, Love, <laughs> right? I kind of had one of those moments where I had an epiphany in my life. I had well, I had this very successful job, getting paid a lot of money to travel the world in the fashion industry. You can imagine the fashion capitals: London, Milan, Paris, New York. Great. Superficially, everyone looked at me, and they were like, "Wow, you have the best job. You look amazing. You get really good brands for like twenty percent the price." You know,、so、on the surface, life looked so fantastic, and I had believed the lie: if I keep up the image, if I looked good, I'm gonna、mm. feel good inside.、Mm. Guess what? It didn't happen, right? So, what was happening was. I'm just answering your questions long-winded because you know it, it really helps me to to understand where why I became what I do now, right? My professionally, so so in the fashion industry, I was traveling extensively, a lot of right eye flights and dinners with customers, and sometimes after a long day. Of work and entertainment, we because of time differences. If I were in London, my headquarters in Hong Kong, we had to jump on the call, right? So just like、mm-hmm. insane hours, or we were calling the US, you know. And in the beginning, it was fun, you know. You have so much adrenaline because it's so exciting. Every new place, every new event, it's like wow, super cool, super nice people. I can't believe I'm meeting these people who are supposed to be on the magazines, right? And you meet them, you're like adrenaline rush, excitement. But、um, as we all know, that adrenaline can only fuel us to a certain extent. At one point, adrenaline crushes the body, start to really break down. Because our body can only handle exhaustion for so long, right? Like you very well mentioned earlier, the the consequences are brain fog, complete fatigue, loss of concentration, lack of creativity. You know, I sit in front of my computer, nothing's coming out, and that's not、right. good for for a fashion person. <laughs> you know, you're、right. in the field of creativity. You're dealing with designers. You have to be creative, and I had none of that. I couldn't to the point I couldn't even think straight because the brain is so fogged. I didn't have enough oxygen, right? So it forced me to sit down and think about what am I doing. And I tell you, when a person hit the wall from burnout, they're gonna start to experience a lot of cynicism, not only for work but also for their lives. Am I really meant for this? Am I good enough to even do my job? Who am I? So I fell into a deep existential crisis. Now I tell you, Dr. Daniels, I'm a woman of faith. I believed、mm-hmm. in God. I always thought God gave me that job. I, I, you know, I was able to do a lot of amazing things around the world. But I started to question, where is God? You know, there's a really famous book called "Where's God When It Hurts" by Philip Yancey. 
right?、Mm. I was like drinking that book. I'm like, what are you? Why am I going through all this? Everything forced me to completely stop my life, and that's when I quit, <laughs> cold turkey, quit my job, and step back. Came back to the U.S. after ten, fifteen years traveling the world, you know, living in different countries. I came back to the U.S. Came back to my family. I would say started my recovering process.、Mm-hmm. Right? It was during that journey God showed me, okay, you have a bigger calling in life. What you've gone through, I'm not going to waste a second of that. I'm going to use that to make you a better vessel to help others. And that's why. That's how I got into、uh, mental health. I, I, you know, went back to school, got my master's degree in mental health counseling, and then、mm-hmm. got into coaching because I know we can't just keep going back to the why, why things happen. That's primarily what I address as a mental health counselor. But in coaching, we talk about okay, now how do we move forward? Right. 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 Wow, that's a lot. That I mean, that that's 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 a lot to unpack.、Um, how you know, and, and it's something that you brought up. I thought I really found interesting that how you said that I look good on the outside, but I didn't feel good on the inside. I think that's really really important. I, I heard a. <laughs> I, I, I heard these little quips, and I you know I tend to repeat some of them. But I heard someone say once that sometimes people. People spend a lot of time buying things that they don't need, going places that they don't really like to be with people they don't want to be around,、uh, and it, it's it's a really interesting kind of circle they put themselves in. But underneath it all, you don't really want to do it. You're just doing it for this kind of superficial, how it looks on the outside type of reason, and it's not satisfying. It's really unsatisfying at all. And you know, t- to your point. Uh, your body will tell you at a certain point that this isn't working.、Right. You know, it, it isn't. There are a lot of people who, again, on the outside, really look clean and sharp, and they've got all the you know all the trappings of success. But underneath it all, they're absolutely miserable. Underneath. So, so you also mentioned that、uh, that you have some experience in seminary. I think you said. Or <laughs> so.、Yes. So how how does all that start to line up? Because that's that's quite an experience in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you are talking about how superficially I look good, right? Like in the fashion industry, we have a saying like, "The worse you feel, the higher the heels."、Okay. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> I'm gonna put the highest heels on because I feel crap inside. Really? And that that is something,、uh, Doctor Daniels. I I think it's really important for for your listeners to really think about what is driving them to burn out.、Yeah. Now you and I can talk about self care, stress management. We can talk hours on that. But in my research and my work with my clients and myself, I realized there's a deeper. Drive that's driving us to burnout. For me personally, I was trying to prove to the world that I deserve to exist, that、mm-hmm. I was worthy. Okay, and that is a vicious cycle because I can like I can look so perfect, I can make a lot of money, I can be living on the top of the Hong Kong island, 
you know, have the beautiful, amazing apartment, great lifestyle per se. But deep down, like you said, I was hollow. I was empty. Even though I didn't go to drink or, you know, alcohol addiction, whatever drugs, but my idol was work. Mm. I used my job to fill the void that I had to show people I was good enough. Mm. And I want to say that it's just not going to work, right? Some people use family. Some people use money, sex, addiction, whatever that may be. It's never going to fill the void in our own hearts, right? Where is that coming from? Where is that our acceptance coming from? I didn't really understand that until God took me into the seminary for four years. Well, my face was on the ground. I had no makeup, no heels, no lipsticks, just me with a lot of books, a lot of solitude. And God, I start to unpack my soul, right? Mm. To face Mm. the reality. Who is Jane Song? That's why when you ask me the question, it's a loaded question. Who is she? (laughs) Who is she leaving her, her life for? What is her purpose? You know, there's a great article written by a nurse. I can't remember her name off my head, but she she actually interviewed maybe hundreds of her clients who were on their deathbed. And she, she you know, started to interview them. And she started to ask the question, what are your top regrets in your life? And the number one thing, to my shock, people came back to her over. These people are dying. They don't care. They're dying life's over, they would tell her, I have, my biggest regret is I've lived my life for someone else Wow! to prove a point. And that's exactly what I was doing, Dr. Daniels, in my Mm. 20 years in my career. I was trying to prove to the Chinese society where I came from that as a woman, as a younger uh, daughter of the family, that I was worthy. You see, that was my problem. I was proving. I don't even know if they cared. Nobody cared, you know, like I was proving to my dad or my parents. I don't know if they cared so much. So, but in my head, they, I had to prove to them I was so successful, so happy. Everything was great to the point of hitting the wall and, you know, hitting burnout. So seminary journey really made me realize, okay, I can't just dance on the surface. I can work out. I can eat well, self-care, great. I'm not saying it doesn't work. That's how I got out of burnout. But when we try to run away from the deep cause that's driving us to hate the wall, it's not going to work. Yes. Yeah, so that's so, so absolutely true. There's a lot of focus on... um, addressing problems after they occur, as opposed to getting to the uh, the real heart of what the issue. Uh, so, I mean, my I, I spent a lot of years and, you know, so my listeners know in the fire rescue service and there are in the United States, we spend 300 plus billion dollars on, you know, fire departments and fire sprinklers and all oh, fire extinguishers and training and all this stuff but not near enough time on how we prevent the fire from starting in the first place. The same thing occurs with mental health, with physical health, 
But from in the mental health space, oh, we've got apps and we've got resiliency training and we've got, you know, uh, yoga and fruit bowls mm-hmm. and exercise and all this stuff, which which, again, I, I, I not to suggest that there isn't value to it, but why not get to the root of why we're there in the first place? What What, what is it going on in the environment that we're in and in our own head? And, and so a lot of this recovery actually starts again. That's another reason why I said question is if you don't know you, you will put yourself in situations that aren't good for you because you don't know you. And and, and so you, you wander into something and go, this might be fun and it looks good and everybody else is doing it, but it's really not you. It doesn't work for you. And that starts to come up at some point. It starts to because the gears don't really mesh. Uh and again, for you know, not everyone believes in a higher power, a deity, a god, or whatever. But uh, we were all designed to be something, <laughs> and until we right. find out what that purpose is, it's not really going to work. It's it's not really going to work. Wow, that's right. I, I completely agree with you, Doctor Daniels. I I wanted to add that the key reason, in my perspective, now looking back, why people don't want to seek healing is because healing hurts, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I now I work with a lot of clients, especially in the therapy realm, who has had trauma. You mentioned trauma before. And trauma can be, you know, the way I define trauma, it's basically anything that happened to a person in their past that changed the way they think about life. So people often think trauma is like, oh, sexual trauma, violence, car accident, losing family member, right? Big, major stuff. Yeah, those are trauma too. But it can also be smaller things that really negatively impacted how we view the world. And from that, from that moment on, we see the world in the negative lens. And that's going to, to, to really change our performance, change our trajectory, the way we see life, right? So, mm-hmm. so I think a lot, a lot of that, why don't people seek healing? It's because it hurts. Nobody wants to go back to trauma. Past hurts, especially unguided, right? Mm-hmm. So when we think about our pain, past rejection, anything negative that happened to us, we don't want to think about it. We put on a comedy show. We get mm. ourselves really busy. We work mm. ourselves to death. We'd rather do anything than sitting down with our own selves and try to think about it, right? Yeah. I've done plenty of that in my 20s and early 30s. I try to run away, mm. right? From sitting down and really think about Jane, why do you do the things you do? Mm. Because going back hurts. And that's why I'm a huge advocate for mental health counseling. Right? Yes. I always tell my clients, the fact that you're here, you are so brave. You took the time and courage to go for healing. Because healing, right. it's the beginning of, uh, willing to heal is the beginning of the journey of healing itself. Hi listeners, Jason here. We hope you're enjoying this latest podcast episode. Now, if you're like Joelle, Alicia and myself and enjoy learning from the best, then the Flourish DX Academy is for you. 
The Academy includes free e-learning courses on the ISO 45003 standard for psychological health and safety at work and associated topics such as how to conduct a psychosocial risk assessment and how to create the business case for psych health and safety. All courses feature high-quality videos, downloadable resources, multi-choice questions and a downloadable training certificate on completion. Take your learning to the next level with all FlourishDX Academy courses included within the FlourishDX mobile app. Select podcast episodes from the Psych Health and Safety Podcast and sister podcasts from Canada and the USA are also included. Get started with FlourishDX for free at www.flourishdx.com forward slash get hyphen started. That's www.flourishdx.com forward slash get hyphen started. Now back to this episode. Yeah, I, I, oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I, I look at uh, mental health care now just like dental care. <laughs> I, I don't go to the dentist uh, because I have a toothache. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I, I go regularly, go my checkups, a whole deal. I'm not sure if I have the prettiest teeth in the world. It doesn't really matter. What I, but I believe, I believe that if I pay attention to it, then I will mitigate or prevent some things from getting worse. So I won't have to put my teeth in a jar <laughs> sooner. Right. Uh, but, but I think that mental health is really the same way. I, in my early experiences, I would go after something happened. I, you know, and, and most recently, uh, my most recent relationship with a therapist, I go, to, it's kind of like going for a tune-up and have a conversation about, I think things are going fine. I, I don't, there's no major, but I don't want to get to the space that I was mm-hmm. in, you know, when I wasn't. You know, I, when I was really feeling kind of down and, you know, somewhat depressed and all that type of, why wait to get there if, if, if you're able to extricate yourself from it? And, and, you know, another point that you made that is, that is really so important is, uh, I heard this once that it's not the stories that other people tell about you that are most impactful. It's the ones that you tell yourself exactly. that really impact you because the folks outside, they're having conversations about all kinds of different things. But again, back to the, Back to the question, who are you? It, mm-hmm. It's if you, if I don't really know myself, then I tell myself stories about myself that aren't really helpful for me. They, they, it isn't, it's a kind of reality, but it's not a helpful reality. And everything has more than one side. Absolutely. Everything. I mean, yeah. and, and we find ourselves kind of stuck focusing on, you know, so we get uh, our, our brain looks at things and, and it just says either it's a threat or reward. That's just how the brain works. And, but the the threats and the negative things they they form these patterns that we kind of get stuck on and 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 again to your point it's difficult to extricate myself from that when if I get in too deep it really is so I need someone you know we need people to help us and and, and so you you get burned out of your work you do seminary you end up as a therapist so. What's the difference in your mind between therapy and coaching? Are they kind of the same thing? Right. Good question. Therapy is a lot about what we talk about, right? I love how you mentioned we, what story we tell ourselves. It's vital, right? In therapy, we actually, a lot of the work is to find out why do we do the things we do and what make us think or behave the way we do today or in the past. We look into the past, try to analyze the pattern, try to fix what's broken. 
And from there, we move into the future. Okay, coaching is we know we have a lot of brokenness. No one's going to put the problem under the carpet. However, as a coach, I'm going to lead you to the biggest question of how are we going to move past the past and move you into the future. That include, include, may include setting up goals for your life, right? Mm-hmm. When you sit there, really think about what do we want to be? Who are we in the future? Three, five, 10 years, we put together a, a vision. You know, some people have a vision board. I like mm-hmm. to give hurt people a vision writing down of exactly where do they see themselves not just one dimension okay burnout a lot of times come from job but also family friends social environment and also personal personal who are you as a person who are we as a person are we growing ourselves do we react to things the same way three years ago, two years ago, or even last week? Mm. What have we gleaned from all the learning and how are we making ourselves a better person for everyone we love, including ourselves? So all those components, it's what I really focus on in coaching, right? Then the consulting bid, it's like, okay, I go into corporations or schools. Recently, I've been engaged with local private schools to help teachers to see the perspective. How do we see the perspective with a group of people, with hundreds of people sitting in the same room, right? To really have that understanding, but also giving them opportunity to share their own journey with each other. Mm. And that sharing is also very powerful. So three components, but all leading to helping a person, helping us, helping our clients to become the better versions of themselves far beyond than they can imagine again like you mentioned if we just sit here think about what happened to us we're going in circular motion right we need someone who's objective trained and has full accountability to us to help us to see beyond what we can see Hmm. i i i I'm, I'm listening, Jane, to what you're sharing. And what comes to mind for me is, uh, is how these are almost like concentric circles. You know, there's, so there's the, there's who am I? And then there is what stories am I telling myself? And then there is, you know, how am I interacting with the people closest to me? And then there's how am I interacting in the, in the greater world? And, uh, it's very interesting that you are, uh, you're actually operating at all these levels, you know, but it started with the work for yourself. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty convinced it's difficult to share something that you don't have an abundance of yourself. I, I really do. I mean, I heard someone say that once that we can only give to others out of our abundance. And unfortunately, what we give to others in abundance is our pain because sometimes we have so much of it. So it spills over onto our relationships with other people and the organizations that we're in. It's just, it's all this pain is, you know, and, and again, as I, in the workplace, you, you come to work with particularly those in positions of leadership who they, they're in pain. They really are. Mm-hmm. And it's never really been addressed. So they come to work 
and they kind of spill that on everybody else. So now I'm infected and I, and I have, I brought my own stuff with me anyway. <laughs> and it just, but that just makes it worse. And, and so let, let's, let's shift the focus a little bit to the work that you do with organizations. You know, so you're talking about, uh, so, so when you, first of all, uh, do you, do you do referrals? Do people just kind of call you or is it a little bit of both? How, how do you get engaged with organizations and what do you, generally share with organizations uh, in, in terms of the, of this work that you're doing around burnout? Right. Most of my work is definitely by referral, right? So some of the organizations, I either had the person as individual coaching client, mm-hmm. or they have heard of me from podcasts, interviews like yourself, right. or even from other coaches in the network that I'm with, I, I belong to. I would say the primary work, because burnout is it's in my DNA, right? So I, mm-hmm. I started to really interview earlier this year. I started to interview company CEO, C-suite leaders. Like I'm talking about um, a company, a few companies I interviewed. They're ranging from $1 billion to $30 billion dollars under management. I'm talking to the C-suite leaders, right? What what really was fascinating to me was how do people, when we talk about CEO, C-suite, everyone's super stressed, right? Yes. You're talking about, I mean, I, I spoke to one person, his daily decisions like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to let go of 10,000 people. Or I'm going to build a new plant that could potentially build up 10,000 people. You can't imagine the stress that undergoes that person, right? And yet I'm talking to some other people who has also very high-level jobs, yet they are hitting the wall. They're like, I'm Mm. done. I can't take it anymore. Fine. They walk away. So my, my research is, what is the difference between this person who's who clearly has a very stressful job, but they're able to manage versus someone who's just the resiliency is not there anymore. They're giving up. And I tell you, the underlying reason, it's always unhealed trauma. Mm. Often, not 100%. There are also other factors, but big component, I would say, it's unhealed trauma when a person has not addressed and when work pressure gets them. I recently have a client who works in the IT industry, successful in his 60s, successful, put everything together, great top performer, yet he had one incident in at work where another younger uh client, uh, not client, colleague, basically threw a fit at this person, my client, he had a worse meltdown in his life. Wow. He couldn't believe it. He's like, wow, I'm mid sixties getting ready for retirement. Yet I have, yet this young person had such a hold over my emotions. He melt down. Like he had a panic attack at work, Mm. right? So then Mm. we were like, okay, let's unpack that layer by layer. Of course, it went back to his very traumatic upbringing with an alcoholic father. Wow. Wow. So my work Mm. is 
yes, you know, when I go into organizations, we are looking, we do education about what trauma is, what burnout is, but really deeply is to help people to be aware. Why mm. do we burst? Why mm. can't we take, why, what drives us to get burnout first, right? Mm. What drive us to um, have moments of just meltdown because of trauma? Those are completely correlated. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. Yeah, just again, you know, Jane, the the, uh, the the examples that you're talking about just are they're so vivid that they cause me to think about you know all kinds of analogies in my head. I'm thinking about how you so when again another uh, of my fire rescue experiences, and I share those because that that uh, I am still in many ways uh, recovering from the trauma I was exposed to. Uh, and, and an example is we would go, we'd get a call and hop on our vehicle and go to a location and you get to the door and you smell something and it smells awful. And, uh, but after you smelled it a couple of times, you know what that is. It is a, it is a human being that's, that's passed away. That's been there for maybe days or weeks. And but but you can't see anything, but you can just smell. And sometimes even before you smell it, you start to feel that something's not right here. That you know you can look at the way the 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 apartment or the house looks. There's something wrong about this. And then you get the smell, and then if you get closer and closer, and then you find out, you know exactly what's happened. That the person's passed away, and there's a, there's a reason for that. The person had an underlying health condition. The person was a victim of, you know, some sort of trauma. There was no one was around to care for them. There's all these, you know, and, and when we talk from a safety perspective, because I tend to approach this as a, as a safety professional, which is kind of what I am, but we, we have lots of discussion about all these physical things going, why did the company fail? And they, you know, they had, but beneath that, to your point, there was likely some undiagnosed and unaddressed trauma with the decision makers in that process. That got them to that point. And then ultimately it affects hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even millions of people. And it all traces back to the trauma that this person had that caused them to see themselves in a certain way, to make a decision in a particular way, to affect other people. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you know, so it's, Jane, just so wonderful to hear of someone who can take that entire journey with people, you know, and, and knowing all along that you have your own work that is continuing to go on as well. I think it's really important. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so um, who share a little bit about a couple of, uh, can you think of some success stories? Now, I mean, no, not, not no particular names or anything, but some folks that you, you know, started working with this person and I'm able to see you know, some period of time later, how this has actually worked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one story that I always refer to as my gold star client, he's in his uh, mid to late 20s, very successful finance manager. Okay, just keep it vague uh, for now. Yeah. And he comes to therapy well, he, he actually came in for life coaching because his therapist 
didn't know what to do with him after like a year in therapy that he just hit the wall. Like it wasn't going anywhere. So his therapist thought, let me refer you to a coach who can take you to the next stage. Right. So when I, when I started to meet with him, it was probably some of the worst time of his life. He had Mm -hmm. a very demanding job that he worked maybe 12, 12 or more hours each day, Mm. right? This is a guy at his prime, very Mm. intelligent, super fit, yet he was working like a dog, right? So he he was trying to keep up a relationship that was, of course, dying. And he came to coaching. He, he, He had no hope. So we started to immediately to recognize, okay, these are the sign of burnout, check, check, check everything, right? Like, so he, he acknowledges that he's getting burnout and immediately we have to address, we had to address self-care as like when you go to the doctor, if you tell them, you you know, a person has like arthritis, the first thing they would do is like give you medication to prevent the pain, right? Self-care, right. I, I would say it's it's a very good short-term remedy to stop crisis from continuing to happen. So what we did was, you know, try to get him back to the gym, eat better, sleep a little better. And then next thing we did was setting boundaries. He had a lot Mm -hmm. of issues telling no to people. He couldn't say no to his bosses. Everyone in the organization who came to him for help, he said yes to Okay. So, and we, we noticed that in the beginning he was getting better, but because he couldn't really say no to people, his tasks were just kept adding on. Right. And that's when we hit the Holy grail. Okay. So that's when we realized, okay, there's something there. Let's go back to your childhood. What was it that caused this person to be unable to say no to people? And the root cause of that was he had been extremely terribly bullied when he was in middle school oh. in front of the whole whole cafeteria. You can imagine at that age, your peers were everything. Right. And the person who bullied him was his best friend. Mm. Okay, so there was such a fallout. And we went back into that memory to heal that trauma in a very deep, thorough way. When we did that, I tell you, Within weeks and months, everything started to change. In the beginning, we were doing self-care on the surface, kind of pulling teeth, go exercise in the morning, right? Very gradually, go eat well, you know, this and that, sleep. But after a few months, deep down, the wound was healing. And he mm-hmm. learned to how to say no to people. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when his managers came with un, unreasonable ex- reasons to push him to work more, he sure. would say no. Like there right. were times before when he was um, in, in a wedding as a best man, in the middle of the wedding, he went to take a phone call. <laughs> exactly, right? Because he couldn't say no to authority figures. And after when he dealt with his trauma, he started to realize, well, what am I doing here? That's crazy, right? Mm. And he, his self-advocacy increased, his confidence increased, his ability to control his life increased. 
everything started to change because we went back to the root cause. So again, you know, when we talk about burnout, it's never just the surface. Yeah, put up a yoga mat, do some yoga, breathing exercise. <laughs> Great. Yes. But I guarantee you it's not going to solve the underlying problem. Right. Right. Wow. That that is that's really consistent with the, you know, again just the way I believe that this you don't create, you know, and it's very fashionable to talk about psychological safety and all that. It's 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 an important concept. I actually do believe in it. The challenge is if you don't do the work underneath, you're never going to get there. And if you get there, you won't be able to stay because people, Absolutely. human beings come into social settings. If that social setting is, a, is work or a club or a team or whatever it is. They bring their trauma with them. That whole idea about bringing your whole self means the organization just can't say, oh, yeah, we want all the best of you. But you can leave that other stuff at home. People can't. It comes with them. And it manifests when they, you know, it's manifesting all the time. And sometimes they, you know, they kind of interact with each other. You know, they bring their trauma. We've got enough going on in the organization. And it really, you know, you, you end up with folks in those situations where they can't say no and can't, you know, and all that, you know, certainly goes back to your experience of, you know, trying to prove their worthiness to the employer, trying to prove that they're valuable and all that type of thing based on the story they're telling themselves. And, and again, just to, to reinforce, Jane, what I was saying earlier, it sounds like you're able to give in abundance something you've experienced yourself, though, because you, you got to experience yourself and have enough to be able to give to other people, because that's another challenge is a lot of. So the responsibility for helping others is a psychosocial hazard in and of itself that you can give so much that you start to feel you know, even in a, you know, as a therapist, you know, I, I, I you don't have to necessarily have to answer, but I, I, I want to assume that you probably have someone that you talk to. Yes. <laughs> so, that's, um, many people I talk to, I mean, this is one great point as helpers, we have to take care of ourselves. You know, yes. earlier I mentioned about self-care, setting boundaries, managing stress. We have to take breaks. We have to find people that we can trust to offload all the burdens and to course correct right. what we're doing. Why do we do what, what we do, even in the journey of helping other people? You know, as right. we know, I mean, the healthcare profession is one of the most burnout professions. Yes. Doctors, nurses, right? We have to step back and really deal with our own issues and constantly remind I remind myself I'm not their savior. Right. I'm a helper right. here. Right. Right. I can't right. save someone who doesn't want to be saved. That's right. So I have to put a very healthy boundary. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. I I this conversation could go on longer, but it would be irresponsible of me to do that because people might say it's going too long. Um uh, so one, one kind of wrap up final question I'd like to ask you, uh, though you appear to have uh, lots of opportunities to, uh, to do therapy, to coach, to talk to organizations and all that, if there's somebody out there, they've been watching this and they go like, oh my God, what I heard from her, I just really, I want to know more. <laughs> 
So again, I'm not sure if you're taking new, you know, coaching clients or, or what have you, but if folks want to chat with you more about what you shared, how, how do they get to you? Is because I, I, I know it's referrals, but if someone wanted to get with you or to talk to you more, how would they be able to do that? Right. Great question. Thank you for asking. I, you know, my passion for, to help people, it's so great. So if, for for those of you who are listening, you know, the story may, may resonate with you. You're like, I'm doing all the self-care I am doing. I'm trying to set boundaries and just just not working, right? What am I missing? And I'd love to have a conversation with you to really help you to unpack a little bit. Is there something that's, what is it that's holding you back from becoming that person you really, really want to be? And you know you deserve more. Right. So the best way to reach me is at uh, jingsonglifecoach.com. And my email is contact at jingsonglifecoach.com. So it's very simple, jingsonglifecoach.com. There you have a lot of information about who I am. And of course, um, just email me and we'll, we'll start a conversation from there. Absolutely. Jane, thank you so much for this. I have to tell you, it feels like uh, it feels like I've had a mini session myself speaking with you. <laughs> uh, it's it's just a, a wonderful conversation. Uh, so you know, so such an impressive story. I, I do have to uh, to thank my <laughs> um, my friend Jason Van Shee, who made the contact to to get us connected. I mean, it's. Uh, and and I, I don't talk about him all that much often, but he, he's really, you know, the reason, the driver behind the, you know, me having the opportunity to do the podcast in the first place. And uh, but uh, and the reason that I originally reached out to him was I was looking for other people in the United States who had similar thoughts. Or, you know, I said, I know I can't be the only person. <laughs> and and again, that's another opportunity to be connected and to reach someone like you. So, again, thank you so much. For what you shared uh, over these, you know, a little less than an hour or so, and uh, I, I really hope that you know there are those that have watched and heard something that is going to be of benefit to them. And so, to those of you who are uh, watching and listening, uh, if you're watching this episode on the Flourish DX YouTube page, please do like, subscribe, share with your friends. Uh, we certainly want to get the word out to others. If you're watching or listening for the very first time, welcome. I hope something that you've heard will cause you to think about coming back in the future. Previous episodes of this podcast can be found at psychhealthandsafetyusa.com. And please do become a part of uh, what I like to call the Psych Health and Safety USA movement by connecting to us on LinkedIn. It's my pleasure. It's good to, uh, Jane, my pleasure to chat with you. And uh, we will look forward to, uh, to future conversations. And those who are watching and listening, please do catch us next time on the next episode of the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. Thanks very much. Tune in each Friday for new episodes of the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. If you have a story or know of one that needs to be told, reach out to us on LinkedIn or send an email to david at id2-solutions.com 
or go to the Flourish DX website at flourishdx.com. We'll see you next time.